Welcome to the Getting My Act Together podcast. It is 10 p.m. in San Diego, California, July 5th, 2021. I am recording this probably trying to be a little quiet because I am in an Airbnb with my wife and daughter. And though we are staying in a killer neighborhood, the house is super jank and small. And it's like, uh, it's like chop, it it was like an egg carton was cut up into three more egg cartons. So it's like, uh, three bedrooms, but it's like a total of 400 square feet. And you're like, well, I live in an apartment. That doesn't mean anything to me. Well, you know, it's fucking tiny, and there is no central space, but uh, we're all together, and uh, stoked for that. So, not a lament, just um, trying to say that I'm trying to keep it a little quiet, because the ladies are asleep, and I soon will be also. If you are in Atlanta, though, uh, tonight, when this comes out, uh, July 6th, go to Limerick Junction. Nikki Allcaps Murphy is going to be guest hosting the great show. Andy Sanford's closing it out. There are some other amazing comics. Dexter Ferguson, Shauna Godkindy, Sam Ruddy, uh, Brittany Dent, Derek Marshall, and Ben Popkin are the ones that come to mind. So go to Limerick every Tuesday. You know that. I will not be there. I will not be back in Atlanta for a few more days. Um happy to be in Southern California in San Diego spent the last three nights with family and close friends and I'm going to do the next several days doing the same thing except now we have our own place we stayed with family the last couple nights got in on Friday had a nice 4th of July did not get a DUI which was very important I feel like if you get a DUI on 4th of July, it's like, dude, what are we doing here? I was trying to figure out what that noise was in the background. It's a man starting, I don't know if it's a man, could be a woman, could be a non-binary person starting a Volkswagen bus outside. Yeah, you know you're close to the beach when you hear a Volkswagen bus. Because that is the only place people still live in them. It's kind of, it's the ultimate amateur hour, getting a DUI on 4th of July. I didn't do it. Um, It's like getting a DUI on New Year's Eve. Did you not, you know, get the bulletin? (laughs) The fucking orcas are going to be out there. And they smell us driving around, bleeding like some wayward dolphins who don't have our all of our fins together. And I, I say I didn't get a DUI because I, my wife and I, so my family lives near some good friends of ours, or maybe our, who, we're not in third grade, my best friends, my second best some of our closest friends live near family. So we were going to go have dinner uh, drinks and dinner at our friend's house on 4th of July after the baby went to sleep at my parents' house. Um, but, what? 
but we didn't want to, you know, how are we going to go over there and have dinner and drinks and then get back over to my folks, the family sort of compound with, uh, you know, not getting a DUI or not like, I didn't even want to drive two miles and I didn't, what would have it been even worse? <laughs> worse than me getting a DUI would be my wife getting a DUI because I didn't want to get a DUI. So I talked about it with her earlier in the day. I'm like, even if we have three drinks over X number of hours, we're still going to be, you know, rolling the dice, driving on 4th of July. And she's like, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't have to drink. And I'm like, I do. I, I don't. I didn't. I did. <laughs> but I didn't have to. And I was like, I'm going to make an executive decision. Why don't we just not fucking drive? We'll get someone to drop us off there or pick us up and take us over there. And then we'll take an Uber or something on the way home or walk a few miles. And so we did that and we didn't get ripped, but we probably were above, or at least I was above 0.08. And in the end, we called my stepdad, and he was nice enough to pick us up and take us back to uh, their place and where the baby was. But I would have been, I could, I, like I said, I can't imagine anything worse than my wife getting, my wife driving us, getting a DUI. It's like, dude, what a, what a lousy partner I would be. No, I, I can't drive, but you you might not be able to either. Um, so, but okay, I'll let you. That that would just you, you're the worst if you left if you let your partner if you let your partner get a DUI. I'm not talking about somebody that you don't know that well that's giving you a ride <laughs> to get halfway closer to your house and they get a DUI. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like someone you love who's loyal to you. If you let them get a DUI, then, you know, you're fucking up. And I didn't want that to happen. That would be... I mean, there are... <laughs> I have a friend who used to be the guy who would go to the to the party with his girlfriend or the event with his girlfriend and, you know, that moment where you're not sure who's going to drive home. Like, I, I'm I driving, you're going to have a couple drinks, and I'll have, like, one and nurse it for a couple hours. He would, <coughs> excuse me, he would get to the the event, and he would immediately, immediately, like, have three drinks. And then he'd say to his lady, lady friend, uh, hey, are you cool driving? And she's like, well, uh, I have to be now. <laughs> because you're already not able to drive that's different and then I mean it's still a power play and still a little dirty but at least he's telling her to stay he's suggested he's suggesting that one of them stays sober if my wife and I are banged up and I let her drive and she gets boxed up and goes to jail I would I would not be able to live with myself. And you shouldn't either. You should just... But, but at the same time, Uber and Lyft need to fucking figure out what the, what the deal is. What is the deal? Uber and Lyft need to figure out 
how to get cheaper because the last couple ones I've taken have been very, very expensive and I fear that they are going to more than put uh, drunk people back driving around on the roads. They're going to bring taxi cabs back and nobody wants to sit in the car with those assholes. <laughs> you remember when taxis... Every single business in the world would take a debit or credit card, except cabs. And if you ask the guy, hey, I got to pay with a credit card because, you know, nobody else uses cash because uh, my company wants me to get a receipt for it. They would make you jump through so many hoops and they were so unlikable cab drivers. I know they have a soft spot in some parts of... American, Americana, American history, and uh, romance or the <laughs> late night glamour of driving a cab back in the day, but God, did they evolve into a bunch of pricks. So nobody cared when they went away, and I don't want them to come back, but if Uber and Lyft don't figure out how to lower their prices, not only are kids going to be getting shit-faced and driving around, but we might have <laughs> the return of the yellow cab and Joni Mitchell's unlistenable voice with the big yellow taxi or whatever it is. So, the trip out, if you're wondering, the trip out, and, and you're not, but if you, maybe you were, the trip on the airplane from Atlanta to San Diego was four hours and four and a half hours, something like that, with with the uh, you know the baked in time and the taxiing and all that, baked in time by Delta. Like the flight should really take this time, this much time, but we're gonna tell you it's gonna be this long so we can be technically on time. You're fooling no one, Delta. Oh, we're early again for well, you told us it was gonna take nine hours, dude. It's not that it's not that long. But how did the girl do? She was a champ. She was great. She was... <laughs> she was a child on an airplane. And when you bring a kid onto an airplane, everyone else looks at you like you have... Because I carried her on. Everyone looks at you like you have uh, a bomb strapped to your chest. Which you kind of do. You know, because... It could go off. But really, it's, you know, I'm looking back at people like, it's also going to blow up on me, too. You know, and I don't want that. Uh, as a matter of fact, I don't want to be anywhere near it when it blows up. But it's it's bound to happen, and that's what people look at you. So, we get to our seats, and we are seated behind these two um, queens that are uh, maybe late 60s. And they're very, very stylish gentlemen. Um, but they just, they look like a certain type of uh, queen that I've seen over the years. And where they just, they're great because they just don't give a fuck. That's that's where you want to be in life is not give a fuck as you've heard me say a million times. But these two gay guys in their late 60s, stylishly dressed, they're going to San Diego from Atlanta. I don't know why. But they're standing when we come to sit behind them. And one of them 
looks back at us, sees my daughter, and then looks at his friend, and I think they're a couple, looks at his friend and says, oh, he says audibly, so I can hear it. He says, oh, Christ. <laughs> Not only are there straight people behind us, but they actually did the straight thing and made a fucking baby, these breeders. And, you know, their concern was kind of warranted because my daughter let rip like three times over the course of the flight. And, you know, for a toddler, a two and a half year old, you don't know this if you don't have kids. A, my daughter runs everywhere. She runs from the crib to the trash can to the brush her teeth to the breakfast table to the next room. She runs and she's in constant motion as all toddlers are. They're exploring their environment and they can't be held back and their brains are exploding with neuronal function. And the idea that I'm going to be able to, my wife and I will be able to box her into a seat for four hours is preposterous. Or what's more preposterous, I should say, is the idea that we're going to be able to box her into that seat and she's not going to buck a little bit. She's not going to get frustrated. Which she did, and like I said, she let rip a few times across the flight. But all in all, she was terrific. And you know what? She's terrific no matter what, because she did it. I don't mean terrific like it was very good performance, and yes, acceptable, dear. Thank you very much. I just mean like, fucking most adults want to scream four times on a flight that long. We landed... So the flight was for, on, on her behalf, was terrific. I mean, as far as her, you know, seemingly not being out too uncomfortable. My wife and I are passing her back. My wife doing, of course, most of the heavy lifting. You know why? Because I'm Pence, and my daughter wants to be with my wife and lie down on my wife and wrestle with my wife. And, and yeah, you can come over to me, but I'm not as good as Trump, and that's where she wants to be. She loves me. Your mom is your mom. And if your dad is more popular than your mom, your mom's fucking up. You've heard me say it before. So she was terrific. We land in San Diego, which is a tiny airport. And it's tiny, especially relative to Atlanta. And we land, and I look over at the terminal, and I see only big planes and I see no way to get in. I see no opening. No, uh, what do you call it? Tar not tarmac. Uh, jetway. There's no tube that's being, there's no tube available for us to dock into. And sure enough, two minutes later, flight it, the, the uh, pilot comes on and says, uh, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, uh, because we're so tight and we're Delta and we got you here so early, uh, we don't have a fucking place to uh, park. So we're going to hang out here on the tarmac for a while. And we did that for 25 minutes. So shout out to Delta for getting us there early, I guess. Are you early if you're still not at the place you wanted to get, but you're, you know, 10 feet short of the stop sign? Did you reach the stop sign? And are you like that asshole <laughs> who stops just short of the stop sign and pretends that he's stopped that he or make makes others believe that he has stopped like they have 
and then he goes ahead. You know, that guy who stops, <clears throat> excuse me, stops way in advance at the stop sign, but is like, no, 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 we all stop at the same time. I'm going to keep going. Are you early? No, you're not early. Anyway, we, uh, San Diego has like three airplanes at it, Lindbergh Field. Um, I don't know what happened to my voice. I turned into Brenda Vaccaro all of a sudden. I need some water is what it is. Well, now I'm going to annoy the listener, so I'm going to get some water. Because if I keep talking about it, you're going to focus on it. And you're going to ask yourself, why don't you fucking do something about your voice? All right, give me a second. All right, hopefully that's a little bit better. I think what actually happened was I didn't turn into Brenda Vaccaro, but what happened is I'm sitting in this tiny little room that has been carved out of another tiny little room, and it's so fucking hot and dry in here that I just hotbox myself, and my vocal cords uh, ossified, became desiccated. <laughs> I'm just going for all the big words I know. They dried out, and maybe my I hear it creeping in again. My sinuses are affected. I'm I'm essentially sitting in a closet, but there is a bed and a TV, and it's, if I turn my head, I hit all four walls. Anyway, <clears throat> we land, and my daughter has done such a good job, but then the pilot says, hey, we're going to be here a couple minutes while uh, the next plane, the plane in the <clears throat> place we need to park, backs up and gets out of the way. And as you know, big planes don't just do that immediately, especially when you see it sitting there not doing anything. So I'm watching what I presume would be the place where we would go park and the huge jet that is in the way, and nothing is happening over there. So with each minute that nothing is happening, I know that we're still 15 minutes away from going over there because they have to drag the plane out turn it around and move it out of the way so it can go take off and we can go park there. And while this is happening, my daughter's kind of starting to lose her shit on the airplane. And and, and you know what? So is everybody else. And everybody else also is losing their shit because there's a two-year-old who's starting to get pretty frustrated. But they're also losing their shit at Delta because Delta fucked this up and they're all sitting there on the plane because Delta fucked it up and is making them sit there and listen to a two-year-old become increasingly unhappy. <laughs> and the parents of the two-year-old are like, you know, we did our fucking part. We gave her 12 million goldfish and 155 different Pete the Cat books, which, by the way, someday I'll talk about Pete the Cat. He is, <laughs> he is he's quite a guy. I really like Pete the Cat. We did our part. We we entertained her like I said it's always about survive in advance on the long flight we're not trying to parent we're just trying to get through we did our part and then all of a sudden we have to wait on the ground for 25 minutes as we're in in spitting distance of our destination uh, we were frustrated we didn't express it didn't I, hey what's going on here we weren't those assholes but it was unfortunate that we did so well with the girl until the <laughs> we're just sitting there on the tarmac and we're looking off into the distance and that fucking plane over there is not doing anything 
and my daughter is not upset. I mean, not uh, pleased about it. She's starting to starting to kick up a little bit, howl occasionally. Anyway, ultimately we get off the plane and we we go and have a great. What do we do? It doesn't matter what we did, but that that was what made it particularly challenging: is landing and then not quite being there. I would like to provide a little bit of color about the two gay gentlemen, or at least the one gay gentleman who was closest to me sitting in front of us. He was not the guy who said, oh, Christ, when he looked at my daughter. Which is, you know, (laughs) that's what he, he saw my progeny, my offspring, and he goes, oh, my God, not, not one of them. Yeah, one of them, sir. But, his mate, his partner that he was, he said, oh, Christ to, was the person that I could see most closely. Because he was just, he was just in front of me, and as the seats allow you to look through, I could see him quietly drink five or six, I did not count every single one of them, five or six champagne splits throughout the flight. And I think we took off at 10.45 a.m. So, <laughs> like I said, these two guys look like they know how to live. And part of that is he's having five fucking drinks, five champagnes on the flight. Good for him. And I'm not over his shoulder watching what he's doing, but because the way the seats are set up, it's hard sometimes to not look up and see what is on the other person's TV screen. And so occasionally I would, you know, glance up from whatever I was doing and see that he was watching something. But as the flight went on and the champagnes, or I should say as the flight went on later, as the, later in the flight, and as the champagnes probably kicked in, <laughs> where if I had had three or four champagnes, Maybe I, with my remote control, would have put on The Hunt for Red October or Fast and the Furious, I don't know, 6 or 8. Just some thing that just, it's like, uh, you know, when you have a sugar buzz, you've, you've had enough ice cream, you put a couple cookies on the top of it and it makes it all that much better, all that much better. That's, I think, what this guy was doing. So if I were buzzed, I'm like, hmm, I only have two more hours of this flight. Why don't I see what Michelle Rodriguez is doing with, um, why is she with him? Why isn't she with me getting shit-faced at a Knicks game? That's what I love about her so much is you can find photos of her, Michelle Rodriguez, making out with, I think, a supermodel on the floor of Madison Square Garden. (laughs) not watching the fucking game, but like trying to smoke cigarettes on the floor of the garden while I'm sure at the rafter level there are just hardworking people, not that she isn't, but ham and eggers with their kids trying to teach lessons and down (laughs) down on the floor, there's the biggest lesson of all. Money and celebrity allow you to get shit-faced at a Knicks game and make out with your girlfriend 
who's a supermodel. What what a life. How great is Michelle Rodriguez? Anyway, your guilty pleasures, not guilty pleasures, whatever it is, viewing. Hmm, I'm kind of buzzed. I think I'm going to watch some dumb shit that makes me feel good. And it would be for me, like I said, The Hunt for Red October or something like that. Well, three or four champagnes in, the gay guy that I can see all of a sudden is watching Brokeback Mountain. A movie I've never seen, but I I do stand-up comedy, so I've heard lots of people talk about it. I, I get the gist of what it's about. But I thought it was so cute how, like, he just, like a homing pigeon. Honing? Homing pigeon? Just sort of went back to the most familiar, I don't know what, but, you know, he, I should have added, before he was doing that, when he was watching something else, he was also looking at, I don't know if it's Tinder, but just photos of young men that, (laughs) young buff dudes that he could enhance. If it's Tinder, the the photo quality is amazing. And I haven't, I've, I missed the dating app revolution, but the photo quality looks very good. So it could have been Tinder. It could have been, you know, his, his hard drive, but (laughs) everything was like another lifeguard, another lifeguard, another, and he's like, up. Down, no, not interested. I don't don't know what he was doing, but he was looking at, he was scrutinizing young sculpted men earlier. And then he puts on Brokeback Mountain. I just thought that was, because he's almost 70, I thought that was so sweet. And that that was his homing pigeon movie. He just went back to the thing that made him feel good and probably reminded him of something and was familiar and all that. And... I, just, I, I was I was kind of I wasn't moved by it, but it, it like I said, hopefully it comes across. I, I was kind of touched by it, like that's very sweet, dude. I I like that, even though your partner said, "Oh Christ," about my daughter's existence in the world. And so I'm, what was I doing? I was reading something and also trying to provide relief to my daughter and my wife in the situation. I sound like Cosby, my daughter, my wife. Camille. So um, again, I see his screen every whatever the interval is on an airplane when you see your your seat neighbor's screen every eight minutes, every fourteen minutes. But I see on the screen that Gyllenhaal and uh, the guy who died, uh, Heath Ledger, they're increasingly kind of close together in the. Wherever they are. The Wild West. The Outback. Steakhouse. Outback Steakhouse. How about that? Welcome to getting your your heart scanned. I'm your doctor. <laughs> doctor Didgeridoo. I see them out there in the... Whatever they're doing. Over the guy's shoulder. Now I'm... I'm watching because it looks like something looks like they're getting closer to consummating their relationship out there because one of them's naked watching washing himself in the river and the other guy's checking him out that sort of thing and at one point I looked up and I don't know what drew my attention maybe it was just a regular seven minute interval or there was some excitement in the seat from the guy 
but it was the scene, or I don't know how many times the scene, the movie, it happened in the movie, but the one I saw was Heath Ledger uh, topping Gyllenhaal. He was taking him from behind, or Gyllenhaal was receiving him, taking him from behind. Heath Ledger was the guy on top, and Gyllenhaal was bent over. And as that was happening, and it's it seemed like a fairly intense moment, um, passionate, and Gyllenhaal was, his face was contorted with all sorts of emotion, and Heath Ledger looked like he had some urgency to uh, connect, make the beast with two backs, <laughs> uh, with Gyllenhaal. While that was happening, the guy who had had four to six champagnes, he made a noise like yelping, like woo, like you just unconsciously like, yeah, he, but it was like woo. And he, he made that noise and he simultaneously pounded his fist into his palm just once, <laughs> not repeatedly. That would have been weird synchrony. But he, he, he was so excited by that, or he was so charged <laughs> by that, that he yelped. He went, whoop, like, like you did, you, you know. And you know what? It was just honest. And then, but the fact that he slapped his hand, I think was only strange because, A, it was on an airplane. And that's what six fucking champagnes will do to you. It'll, uh, it'll lead you maybe to forget or cause you to lose this self-consciousness that would remind you like, hey, you know, yeah, sure, I'm watching a guy uh, sodomize another man and that's fine, but I'm not going to smack my hand and yell woo on an airplane, but I'm into the champagne, so... <laughs> I don't know. It it was very funny to me. It was very funny that he did that, and it was very sweet all around. Like I said, fuck his partner who, and then his partner, the guy who said, "Oh Christ," does the disingenuous thing every time, you know, we're on a flight with my daughter and she doesn't scream the whole flight. They all give you stink eye at the beginning, uh, or say things like "Oh Christ," but at the end, they then are doing like. Oh, hi, girl. What a good girl. What? Wow, what a well-behaved child. And you're like, you know, fuck you. You should have said that on the front side. Showed, you know, really put your money where your mouth is. So that was that was the flight. And just the, it was very cute that the guy was so A-ripped for being so old. I don't know if he's ripped. He's like, no, I drink six champagnes before, you know, 1 p.m. Eastern every day. But the fact that he was moved, <laughs> I was moved by the fact that he's like, I'm going to put on <laughs> the hunt for Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger. And then also when they're having the intense moment there, he uh, lets it rip and he's he's being honest. I thought that was great. Finally, speaking of betting. We are now down to four teams in the Euro 2020. And I'm rooting for England. I'm rooting for England. 
Spain is playing Italy, and I hope they both lose. And then England is playing Denmark, and I hope they both win. And I hope England wins. I historically never root for England, but I'm rooting for them this time. And uh, I'm rooting for you to have a great week. And if you're in Atlanta, go to Limerick. And if you're in San Diego, will you please let me know where you live? Because uh, while we're paying a shitload of money for this place, and it's in a killer neighborhood, it's pretty small and jank. And uh, we'd love to come. Just, (laughs) you know what I'll do? I'll bring my wife and I'll bring my two and a half year old and we'll have a great time. So let me know where you are and have a great week. Be safe and uh, be nice for fuck's sake. Okay, bye.